We know what we're doing. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that, hopefully. Hopefully we know what we're doing. That's kind of in question sometimes. I think it was Scott Sterling that really put BYU TV on the map for slow motion for replay. Slow-mo. Right? Speaking of clowns, we are a couple of them. You want to get on BYU Sports Nation? You got to win an ad. You got to win a national championship. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It is time for our weekly conversation with BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. I love this, His path to the NFL draft. Everything from what the Jacksonville Jaguars are challenging him to do to what his plans are for Pro Day and beyond. He joined us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline yesterday. Zach, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about the approaching calendar first and foremost because I know that you're about to book some serious travel miles as you get set for BYU's Pro Day. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm heading home today. Uh, you know, today is uh, Tuesday, so I got a flight heading home uh, this afternoon. We got a workout and lift in. Had some of the re- receivers uh, out here this past weekend. You know, Bushman, Aleva, Dax, Micah. Uh, able to throw with those guys. Got to throw with them last weekend. Go over some pro day script stuff. They'll be in Utah. Um, I'll get back there, start training there, and, and we got till next week Friday. What was that like to uh, re-engage with those guys, some of which were on the team last year, but some that weren't, and be able to throw with them and kind of bring them into the circle of like, hey, give these guys a look? Yeah, no doubt. It was cool. You know, it was great to have those guys out. Uh, great to just work some of those mechanics. But, you know, we always get to go out to dinner afterwards, and we have some of those flashback moments of our time at BYU and, and all that you know, fun stuff. Let's talk about Micah Simon and the Levy Hefo and some of these other guys that are still trying to live the dream. What are you seeing from them in their progress as they get ready for another pro day and, and try and make it into the NFL? Yeah, they've been working hard. You know, they look good. They, they're, they're, they've been staying in shape. Uh, you know, so I'm excited to see what they can do uh, when they get in front of some coaches. And there's no, you know, I mean, still a COVID year, but, you know, not as many restrictions. And hopefully they get, get their chance that they deserve. And so I'm excited to see what those guys do. Six weeks away from the NFL draft on Thursday. How are you feeling about everything as you approach what will be one of the biggest days of your life, if not the biggest? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I don't know if it's as uh, intense as going into a, a real football game, but I'm, you know, I'm excited. What a great opportunity, and uh, you know, I feel like I'm ready. You know, I just got to go out there and do my thing. There's nothing, nothing to be you know stressed or worried about. You know, because I'm in a great spot, and so uh, you know, it's coming up. These last three months have, have really flown by, but you know, I feel like I'm ready, and I've been working for it. So. It'll be great to see what team I end up on. What's the thing you need to work on the most? And that could be a football skill or not, right? Because you'll go through a lot of interviews, but you're also working on obviously continuing to develop your skill set. Yeah, I I think there's a rhythm, you know, a natural ability uh, once you get comfortable with things. You know, I'd say in college, especially, you know, my junior year, part of my sophomore year, you know, you just get comfortable with being in the same environment all the time, you know, throwing that same ball to the same receivers. You know, you feel like you can't miss and. And right now I've noticed a lot of, you know, throwing to different guys, uh, using a different, a different ball. The NFL ball has been, you know, a little tricky to adjust to. And, you know, you're in different, you know, circumstances and environments. And, you know, you kind of just got to be able to throw in any, any circumstance. And so I think that's one thing that's been different is I got to be able to throw that, that NFL ball has been a little tricky. And, uh, you know, I feel good about it. But, you know, it's really just adjusting. I feel like I'll get more comfortable as time goes on into this next year. What's tricky about it? It's fatter. You know, it's a, it's a fatter, <laughs> rounder ball harder to grip it's got a little bit different leather uh you know personally i I do like it better than the the college ball but i was so used 
to it. When I first got to BYU, I actually hated the Nike ball. I thought it was terrible. Um, I was so used to the the round ball in high school, but then, you know, I started getting used to the Nike one and then I loved it. And I felt like I could, you know, throw it all over the place. And now I'm, you know, trying to readjust and get used to that NFL ball again. So I think it just takes time. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation as he is on his path to the NFL draft, coming back for Pro Day. Zach, it feels like most scouts and most teams have a really good idea of what type of player you are based off of your film, different work, interviews that they're doing with you. So what is it that they're looking to learn from you on Pro Day? Or or is this just like uh, you're doubling down and, and this is just to reaffirm their thoughts? Yeah, no doubt. I think it's it's really just to check some boxes. I think they want to, you know, just like anything, you know, my dad gave me a good example when you're buying a car, you know, how much research you go into all the details. And it's like, you know, you really like this car, but you're going to make sure you test drive it a few times and you're going to check out all the bells and whistles and make sure everything matches up. And so I think it's really just a checklist, you know, for me, it's just, you know, them coming, seeing me in person, you know, making sure, you know, I fit their size and, and height wise and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, just seeing someone, you know, the vibes you get of, of how the ball jumps off someone's hand. Uh, you know, that, I think all that stuff's important. So I think, you know, it's really just check out, check off the boxes. Zach, if you were a car, what type of car would you be? <laughs> what, what's, what are scouts checking out? I don't know. I don't know. Probably a Tesla. <laughs> I like efficient. it. The truck or yeah, a regular one? Efficient, torquey. Yeah. Explosive. Yeah. I, li- I like it. Electric. Quick. Yeah. Not that great of top speed, but a little good acceleration. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay, so as you get closer to the draft as well, you're going to have uh, you know different interviews and different teams um, that are interested. Dick Carmen said earlier this week in an article that the Jaguars have lined up, obviously, multiple Zooms with you with the number one pick. They've even given you their playbook. Have teams uh, like the Jaguars and others given you their playbook to kind of test your knowledge of that? Yeah, you know, that was the first one. I think the Jaguars are really getting on it early. Um, I have interviews scheduled for other teams. I've met with other really big teams, uh, mostly just to get to know you. Uh, I know a lot of teams are waiting to see how all the trades and, and free agency stuff works out uh, after this week. Uh, really, I think the Jaguars, you know, knowing that they're probably going to draft a quarterback, uh, uh, really we're just trying to dive in. I know they met with, you know, me, obviously, Trevor, Justin. Uh, they want to, you know, do their research, do their homework um, and make sure that they're they're making the right decision so do you have more than the jaguars playbook on you no i've gotten a couple uh the jags was the first playbook i've gotten um but i know for sure after pro day i have a couple scheduled uh that'll be the exact same thing you know throwing the playbook out there and seeing how quickly you can retain information and spit it back out and giving your thoughts on on how you see the reads uh you know working out What's it like to look at an NFL playbook? Because I know that John Beck and, and uh, you know, Tom House's company and everything, they're preparing you for that, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, we've, we've been looking at all the different uh, offenses, you know, the West Coast-style offense, the digit systems, um, you know, all the different terminologies. And, and really, it all comes down to the same thing. You know, there's like the same concepts, you know, even though there's maybe a couple different routes from each one, they all kind of, you know, have the same – um, end result that they're trying to go for, maybe spacing on the field, what this concept is trying to do. And really it's just a different lingo. You just got to learn the language of, you know, what that team does. So I think it's just going to be adjusting uh, to that. You know, some offenses are going to be different than BYU because they'll, you know, put more on the quarterback as far as, you know, protections or mic IDs or flipping things around or audibles at the line of scrimmage. And then there, you know, there's NFL teams that are also very basic and, and don't do that stuff. So it's really just adjusting to wherever you get picked. 
BYU quarterback Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. He is approaching his path to the NFL draft. What do these interviews typically entail, whether it's the Jaguars, the Jets, or whoever? What, what, what are these interviews like? Yeah, I think they want to get under your skin a little bit. I think they want to push you as, as far as you can. Uh, I think they, like, they want to see where your you know, intelligence line is at, and then, and then they try and push you to see you know, how, re- how you react to your situations. You know, I can think of some uh, with the Jaguars where it's, you know, you get 24 hours, you got to drop every single formation and they'll send you, you know, 30 formations and a, a bunch of different plays. And it's, you know, it's like a day one install, not a ton of stuff, but they want to see how you spit that information back out, you know, how confident you are in it, how quickly you learned it, uh, the details of the play. And, and then they, they tell you, you know, like for mine, I remember he was like, try every single play. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I can't remember exactly the formation with this play, but uh, if I had to guess, you know, it was probably something like this. And, and they just want to hear, you know, how you talk football. Was that hard? Cause that seems hard, Zach. Yeah. I mean, it's challenging for sure. You know, but when you dedicated your whole life to this, I mean, it's a lot of fun. You know, I spent hours studying that playbook. I spent my whole day studying that playbook <laughs> to try and do good on that. So uh, I had a good time uh, in the meeting with those guys. And it was probably like, uh, you know, when a new Harry Potter or Twilight book came out or whatever but you with the jaguars playbook i imagine just devouring that thing yeah exactly just flying (laughs) through it just trying to pick up everything i can trying to find that little thing that separates you right and you've talked about your study of film and a playbook will be your differentiator and obviously a lot of guys are skilled but not as everyone not everyone is as good in the film room and in studying the playbook so do you feel like it went well, that conversation, based on your preparation and your knowledge? And I imagine it, maybe you have like a photographic memory or, or close to it with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I definitely, I think it went well. I know there was definitely, you know, some things that are just too hard to get all of it right. And I think that's where the, where they want to see how you operate. You know, you know, sometimes they're asking you things that weren't even on the sheets. Like, hey, what, what's the read right here? Uh, how do you know? Uh, which coverage is which uh, when we're in this formation and you kind of just got to spit your knowledge out of, of what you've learned growing up. And so I think that that was the cool uh, experience just because it, it's definitely different. It's challenging. And they just want to see how you, you know, keep, keep reacting to all their questions. It sounds a lot like you enjoy homework, Zach. Does this apply to all yeah. other subjects in your life? <laughs> Definitely not. That's the only subject I like. Fair enough. Uh, every player's kind of got marks that they want to hit on Pro Day. I-, I don't know how it applies to a quarterback, per se, especially one that already has your solid reputation and solid numbers, but what type of marks are you hoping to hit on Pro Day in Provo? Yeah. So obviously I won't be doing any of the running stuff. If we would have had a combine, you know, I would have gone out there and, and tried to show some athleticism, but uh, with it being on the same day, I didn't want to risk, you know, tweaking a hammy or something and I couldn't end up throwing. Uh, so the throwing for me is, is definitely just the most important part uh, to be in front of these coaches. So, so really I just want to go out there and, and solidify my tape, you know, what I've done on the film on the, in the film room and, and show these guys, you know, the types of throws I can make. I feel like something that, you know, is different in my game is, is being able to make some of those off platform, you know, different ability, movement, pocket throws. And so I, ha- I have a good amount of those in my, in my script. And so it's really just solidifying to those guys, you know, the kind of, kind of player that I am. If you were going to run a 40, what would you run? Yeah. I don't know. Of course, everyone's going to give you the low number, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, testing so far, I tested forties all the way up until, um, actually just a week or so ago until I tweaked my hamstring a little bit and, and we just ended up calling it from there. But uh, I was testing, you know, higher four fives, probably like four five eight, four five nine to low four sixes. So I probably would have hit anywhere from like you know four six three to a four five eight. So way faster than John Beck. 
<laughs> yeah, but John, John will tell you had a tweaked ankle, I guess. Right? <laughs> he played. He played a game in '06. Yeah, don't where tell he, him I said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sh- that's between us. He's not watching. Uh, he did play a game where he had like both ankles sprained in '06. So yeah, he he was a gamer, man. He was a gamer. So I imagine with, oh, with John's a great athlete. Yeah, he underrated probably right. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to tweaking your hamstring, I imagine that may have played into the decision not to run it pro day as well, just to. Yeah, it was really just because, you know, a lot of teams, you know, didn't really care unless I was going to go out there and and run a blazing four, three and completely wow everyone. You know, I I think teams understand where my athleticism is at and, and, you know, high four fives to low four sixes is where teams expect me to be based on, you know, my film and how I'm running in games and stuff. And so unless I'm going to go out there and completely wow somebody with a four, three, four, four, then, you know, there's really not a, you know, a huge reason to run. Was it your trainer or someone uh, around you that tested you that that gauged some explosiveness and you were like on the level of John Ross explosiveness? What was that, man? Yeah. Yeah, he I mean, if we race, he's going to smoke me, but <laughs> John Ross is insane, you know. That guy's insane. We've been we've been running together for a little bit out here, but Les Spellman, uh the group that I work with, they do great work uh, out here in California. Tanner Mangum actually you know, worked with him and Tanner ran a four, five, eight, which I thought was awesome for Tanner. I thought for sure he's going to run like a five, two. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was awesome. I was happy for him. I was happy for him. Tanner's got quite, you know, he's quite the speedy guy after that. Uh, but less, you know, he does great stuff. And the thing that we were running on was a 1080. So I think it's like 50% of your top velocity or your top, you know, velocity or whatever it is uh, that you have to pull. Um, it's some machine that calculates, you know, all this, how much, you know, power you have. It's really generating like, uh, acceleration. It's really just, you know, who has a, who has the best acceleration, a powerful runner. Uh, so I have a really good five to 10 yard acceleration as far as power goes. So like, you know, I do pretty well in that stuff, but you know, once we open up past 20, that's when I start to get, start to get chased down. So 10 yards and slide for me. Zach, which player that you've been practicing with and throwing to over the past few weeks drops the fewest passes? Answer carefully. <laughs> I don't know. We've had a different a different bunch of receivers. The guys I've actually thrown up the most are actually probably, you know, these guys, and they've done a great job. I don't know if we had a single drop ball. Of course, Matt Honeyhands is out here catching everything with uh, one hand. Yeah. That dude's still got it. Yeah, how, how, does he, been, how, how does he look physically? Yeah, really good. He looks good. He looks big. He looks strong. Uh, he's running really well for, you know, having a ruptured Achilles. He's running great. You know, I wouldn't even notice. And, and he, uh, I would even say, uh, you know, his hands look, you know, just as sharp as they ever have. That guy's out here. You know, if I put a little ball too far in front, he's, he's snagging it. So Zach's great to catch up with you, man. Looking forward to pro day. We wish you safe travels back to Utah and, uh, Zach, the Tesla Wilson. We'll, we'll go with that for now. If you're okay with that. Yep. That's my dream car too. So we'll see. (laughs) Thanks Zach. Yeah, thanks, guys. Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. We learned a lot there about the Jaguars have given him a playbook and have tested his knowledge of it. Write every play down. What's the read here? That's pretty interesting. And the fact that he uh, tweaked his hammy last week, so hopefully he can uh, you know, recover soon and he won't be running very much. It sounds like he's just throwing at Pro Day, which is enough. He's a big show. And in case you missed it, we announced yesterday that, hey, BYU TV is going to broadcast Pro Day. So it's exciting. NFL Network will be involved as well, apparently ESPN as well, and, of course, social media for BYU football, BYU Cougars, BYU TV sports, all that. So we're excited. And uh, I don't know what NFL Network and ESPN are doing, but you better believe we're watching everything the whole time. We know what we're doing. 
Yes. Well, that's that, hopefully. Hopefully, we know what we're doing. <laughs> that's kind of in question sometimes, but uh, yeah, no, all good. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Today we look back at the greatest games for BYU sports against UCLA and Michigan State, either football or basketball, tying it into their tournament matchup. Number 5, 2016 football, BYU at Michigan State, 31-14 on the banks of the Red Cedar. Jamal Williams ran for 163 on 30 carries and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill in his 100. Oh, a little stiff arm action. We never talked about that one. Uh, 18 of 27, 138 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing. Only time BYU and Michigan State have played in football, they were supposed to play in the fall. TBD on when that's going to be rescheduled in Provo. Michael oh, Davis, Michael with, the Davis pick. with the pick. Uh-huh. How about that? They played eight times in hoops, by the way. Series is four. four. Number four, 2008. I know most BYU fans remember this one. Mm-hmm. 59 to nothing beatdown for BYU football against the Bruins. Oh, David Nixon had a day. I just kept asking myself, when is UCLA finally going to score? And they never did! Which is just wonderful. What a wonderful memory. I think Norm Chow is the opposing OC in this, which is awkward. Max Hall threw for seven touchdown passes. Seven! Yeah, he was massively on the radar. Dennis Pitta! BYU even had time for Dennis Pitta on this day! They had time! Wayne Lotto into the end zone! Number three. One year earlier in the 2007 Las Vegas Bowl, BYU beats the Bruins 17-16 thanks to an Ethan Manu Malayuna blocked field goal on Kai Forbath as time expired to seal the win. Max Hall threw 231, two touchdowns. Austin Colley, he was pretty good. Six yeah. catches, 107, and a touchdown on BYU won. And uh, Michael Reed, what's up? This, here's the play. Big Monday, Ethan Manu Malayuna. Yeah, this was a fun day. I'm underneath the field goal post and like Beck Tarlene, I totally missed that shot too. Kai Forbath, NFL kicker. That was a terrible kicker. NFL operator. kicker. Denied. Number two in 1983. My opinion, the greatest BYU football team ever. The Cougars and Steve Young go to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena and take it to the Bruins. Holding off a late rally, 37-35. BYU and UCLA combined for 650 total yards. UCLA went on to win the Rose Bowl that year, 45-9 over fourth-ranked Illinois. So yeah. beating the yeah. Bruins in the Rose Bowl was no small feat. BYU, of course, went 11-1, and their lone loss to Baylor, but wrapped things up with a win over Missouri. Gordon Hudson, All-American, incredible. Jeremy, if you want to know more about this 1983 team, I think there's a show you can watch. 1983 review- <laughs> reviewables. Uh-huh. And the top game against UCLA or Michigan State came against the Bruins in 1981. Danny Ainge, 6-seed BYU, the 3-seed UCLA by 23, 78-55 in the round of 32. 48-team tournament, BYU beat Princeton, then UCLA, then Notre Dame, then lost to Virginia. This is the last time BYU's the sixth seed, and uh, 31 points from Danny Ainge will do it. That is the top win in game against UCLA or Michigan State. Getting ready for this one. I hope UCLA wins Thursday because I want to resurrect uh, the memory of this. Yes. BYU succeed beating Be- UCLA. Beating UCLA in the NCAA tournament. They, they beat them by 23. I'd be okay with that, too. I would be okay with that. I'd be happy with that, in fact. Top 5 Tuesday. Bringing it. Best wins for BYU against UCLA and Michigan State. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is March and the Cougars are dancing. Yes, they are. I'm stoked about it. BYU is headed to the NCAA tournament. First time since 2015. It's been a minute. Of course, it would have been last year. But uh, last night I spoke with Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline about the sixth seed, the draw with Michigan State and UCLA, COVID, uh, you know, contact tracing and separation, testing and the whole thing in Indy. Here's that conversation. Hi, Mark. Congratulations. Uh, Back in March Madness. Uh, You know, it, it feels like we've waited, obviously, two years for this. This is like two teams worth. What was it like when you saw BYU go up on the screen? It was so it was it was so fantastic. I mean, we're sitting there the whole time. Of course, we're in the bottom. We're in the you know the bottom left bracket, the last one. And um, you know our deal is always complicated because you know as soon as you see them pop up that you're not in the Friday Sunday, so you just wash all those out. And um, then we also you know we're thinking we're probably not going to be at least close to the Zags in that bracket. So it kind of left the bottom left hand side and, and that sure was it ended up where we were and and it was the last one called. So it actually was beautiful. I loved it that we got to sit there and take in the whole thing um, and kind of watch team by team. And I'm glad my guys got to have that experience and then and then just the anticipation of us being there. And then uh, they went one sixteen and they skipped us on the eight nine, which we were really excited about. And and then you get to the bottom half of that left side the bottom half of the bottom left side bracket. And uh, the first name is the six. And so as soon as they flipped to that, we're like, come on, let's go six, let's go six. And we got it. So we're incredibly excited about it. And then to see Michigan State and UCLA, it just makes it doubly better. I mean, it's just as awesome. And so let's go. It's on. Were you hoping for a six? Yeah, I think the six was probably our ceiling. Um, everything that you know we were seeing is the same things you were seeing was – was it probably the six was the ceiling, maybe the eight eight was the floor. Uh, and so we were really, really, really pleased with that. How quickly, once you see your name, do you start to go into coach mode with who are we playing, who are we playing? And then you see a play-in game, which is interesting. So you mentioned your reaction to Michigan State and UCLA. It seems like you like that, that you like that there's a couple of blue bloods right there. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited about it. You go to the NCAA tournament to play the best teams, right? That's the whole point. And so, you know, we're coming right out of the gate with with two great teams. I mean, Michigan State has beat three of the top five ranked teams in the country. And we know UCLA. I mean, I know, Mick. It's fun because all three of us were at Maui last year and had such a phenomenal experience there. And uh, we, we have some history with both teams and and uh, they're two of the best coaches in college basketball, certainly with incredible talent on their squads. And so that's why you that's why we're going to play in the NCAA tournament. That's why we don't want to play in the CBI or the NIT. We want to go play against the best teams in the country. And we're getting them right from the get go. There's some history with the sixth seed. I'm sure you're aware with 1981 and with UCLA. So if the Bruins happen to win, that could be uh, some interesting history there with BYU's Elite Eight run with Danny Ainge. Yeah, yeah, it's super exciting. Okay, when you look at the the chance to play a team that has played in the play-in game, that certainly makes it a little more complicated in terms of preparation. How do you approach that this week? Because you kind of have to wait to see what happens on Thursday with with the Bruins and Spartans. Yeah, but I, I can't tell you how many times it seems like this year we've been preparing for two or three or four teams all at the same time. It's just been <laughs> the COVID era. So you just kind of shake your head and be like, of course. Of course, we're going to spend the week preparing for two teams. And so um, it just fits. It's not going to be a new experience for us. It's We've spent our whole year doing it, it seems like, um, between canceled games and replaced games and changed schedule games. And so this is uh, 
you know, it's going to be comfortable. It's going to be uncomfortably comfortable. I mean, it's going to be recognizably uncomfortable. And um, so bring it on. You know, here we go. Do you spend this week on both teams then? And then you obviously lock in on Friday on the one? Yeah, you know, we'll spend, we'll have a long night tonight and, and uh, try and find things um, that we think the two teams have in common in terms of the game plan that we would approach them with. And we'll also find other things that make them unique. We'll probably spend a lot of time on the things that they have in common, really focusing on our work on that. That's what we've traditionally done when we're preparing for more than one team. And then um, as we get closer, we'll try, we'll, we'll, the, the things that are anomalous that we haven't felt like we faced a lot, then we'll kind of grab onto those. And then, you know, the, the little tweaks that are specific to the program that we've guarded before, but it's not something I have in common. Those will be the last finishing touches the last day. Last year, obviously, that team was going to make the tourney, be a single digit seed, probably a five or a six for a similar situation. And we've talked about this. You guys are kind of playing for that team too. So, did you reach out to the guys? Did you have them reach out to the team in terms of celebrating this moment for them as well last year? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just, it's just such a, like, um, it's just such an emotionally charged deal. Right. So I grabbed all the guys on a zoom call, uh, me and the staff talked to them all on a zoom call at three fifteen today. Um, said all seven seniors. It was awesome. Guys were teasing each other, just like we were back in the locker room and, um, we love those guys so much, and I think they know. They know what they've contributed to this university. They know how they've, what they've brought here, and they also know they can see the seeds of what they built in this team. Um, you know, those are the guys that kind of, kind of uh, grew the moniker of fighting every day to have the best locker in America and losing yourself in the team. And those are the guys that taught our remaining players how to compete, how to really, really compete, and. And um, they, they can see all those things in this team. And, and um, so they're definitely in this ride with us. You know, it's heartbreaking. Of course, it always will be that they don't get a chance to come uh, play in this. But, but uh, they've done everything short of that. There's no chance in the world that this team is where it is today without that team. There's just no chance. They're completely linked together. Always will be. Talking to Mark Pope on BYU Sports Nation. You leave for Indy uh, Monday morning. So what's the week going to be like as you make sure you don't have COVID and you're also prepared and ready to go on Saturday and you don't go crazy, but you're going crazy with excitement because you're playing in the tourney, man. Yeah. How terrifying was, uh, was yesterday and the day before when, when, um, when I'm forgetting who went down first, uh, but we had uh, Duke went down and then Virginia went down and then Kansas went down. And I just was, I just was, I was, I was, Seriously, I think we all had a little bit of PTSD. Like, is this whole thing going to get shut down? It happened that fast last time. And so we've been increasingly every day hypersensitive about um, staying away from COVID. Uh, I think all of our guys are taking extraordinary measures to try and stay safe. Um, You know, we took our last uh, rapid antigen test right before the selection show started and they all came back negative. So we'll jump on this plane tomorrow. We'll test as soon as we get there. I expect we'll get there sometime in the evening tomorrow night. And then um, we'll, we'll be quarantined in our individual rooms, one person to a room for the next at least 12 hours until we can take another test and we should get the results on that test from six to eight hours later. So we'll be quarantined in our room, not allowed to leave the room for any reason whatsoever until we get two tests completed and then um, we'll stay safe there. So that's kind of what, that's kind of what the the testing process looks like. We get an hour and 50 minutes 
on the court each day. So it's not very much time on the court. We get 45 minutes in the weight room and we get unlimited time in the meeting room. Uh, but other than that, we are locked in the room, in the, in our hotel floor. We'll have our own floor. Um, we're going to be incredibly respectful of that floor of the hotel, but it does give us the opportunity to do some things that you always imagine would be fun to do in a hotel floor. If you had the whole floor, we're going to try them all. <laughs> That'll be fun. When do you fly, uh, find out which sites uh, or site you will play at? Yeah, we don't even know yet. So we do know the first four is playing in Indianapolis. Um, and so I don't know if because of that, I wonder since we're so closely linked, if they'll keep us there. I'm just not sure. Uh, it does matter. Um, uh, ticket opportunities are different. For example, we've heard that at Assembly Hall, they're only going to do a maximum of 500 tickets in the arena, uh, whereas that there won't be those limitations other places. So things like that matter. You know, driving to Bloomington or driving up to Purdue is a little bit of a commute. So those things will make a difference. We'll figure all that out. That's nothing new. We face stuff like that all year long. Matt Harms playing again at Purdue could be fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's, it's not Canseco Fieldhouse anymore. But at the Pacers, uh, Jim, I'd love to be back in there. Like, I, I would love that. Uh, and, and I know it would be fun for Matt to go up to, to Purdue. And, you know, I spent a lot of time playing in Hinkle Fieldhouse. We would practice there a lot. Um, so this is, you know, this is a little bit back home stomping grounds for, for a couple of us. We're really, really excited about that. You got the 23rd overall seed. Um, what does it mean to be a top 25 team going into March Madness? That's a, that's a significant accomplishment as well. Yeah, you know, we've been knocking on the door for the last month or so. Um, you know, metric-wise, Net and and Ken Palm, we've been in the top 25, I think, pretty consistently for the last three or four weeks. Uh, we're just, you know, we've just been one spot out the last two weeks in the AP. I'm calling all my friends in the media to be like, guys, what's the deal? Can we not just get one more vote to bump us up? Uh, but it means a lot. It's a tribute to these guys. Um, it means a lot all the way up to till this moment. And then we're, we're going to enjoy this moment. Uh, the staff's already at work breaking things down, but the guys will go home and start packing and really savor this. And then the, thing, the great thing about the NCAA tournament is tomorrow, seeds don't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's just, it is a survive in advance, like the most beautiful thing that you ever experience in your life in terms of competition. And so we just got to go find a way to win a game on Saturday. We have to find a way to win a game on Saturday. That's all we'll think about and all we'll talk about from here on. Well, congratulations. You made it and uh, safe travels to Indy. And we're very excited to see who you play on Saturday. And it's going to be a fun one regardless, whether it's Michigan State or UCLA. Hey, also, uh, listen, uh, super excited for Utah State. Uh, they, they put together a great season and a great stretch run. And then – Man, we had teams that were close, didn't we? I was sure either Southern Utah or Weber was going to win. They were the two favorites in their tournament. I think Utah Valley uh, was a whack regular season champ, and we were hoping they were getting it. But basketball in the state of Utah, even though we only have two teams in right now, it's in a good place. It was, it was really fun to watch. You know, one of the good things about being done with the WCC tournament early is that we get to watch all these tournaments. And it sure was fun to watch these great coaches and great programs in the state of Utah go to battle. So let's go, man. Come on, Jerem Jordan. I know you're hyped, baby. I am hyped. March Madness. I'm so excited, Mark. Congratulations and good luck in Indy. Let's go, Cougs. That was Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. You know why. We show how. So we found out last night BYU was playing in Hinkle Fieldhouse, home of Butler, 940 Eastern 
on CBS. So here, here we go. Amazing. Yeah, and BYU currently on the plane, I believe, as we speak, flying to Indianapolis. As a ranked team in the AP poll and a number six seed, they're going to take on a blue blood. Let's guaranteed go. in the first round. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our next guest knows how to beat the Bruins. He led that game not only for BYU, but had a game-high 20 in that one in Maui as BYU took down UCLA. Now they match up in the NCAA tournament. He is Jake Toulson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jake, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, man. It's great to see you. Oh, fellas, thanks for having me. It feels good to, to be here with you guys today. It's been like a year and four months since that UCLA game, and uh, suffice to say, a lot has happened, not only in the world, not only with BYU and you, but UCLA, but here we are, BYU and uh, UCLA again tomorrow night, man. Yeah, no, it feels right. Um, it's March Madness, best time of the year, so I'm excited to see what happens. What did you, uh, you think of UCLA last night? I thought um, they played really hard. Um, obviously, they got down to that big lead in the first half, but uh, I, I knew they were going to make it a game in the second half. Um, you know, they—they they, it was a high-scoring game. They can score. They got guys that just play hard, and I think BYU matches up well against this team, and, and having played them last year, we're familiar with them. But, you know, it is, it's March. There's not a bad team in this tournament, so um, we're going to have to – to be, you know, playing our best, and, and I think that's something we'll do. Jake, you guys obviously had an unbelievable run last year. It got cut short uh, due to COVID, but what does the success of this year's team mean to you and, and what you guys accomplished last year? It's been, it's been so fun to just watch this team grow um, throughout the course of the season. Um, I think – they they are a completely different team than we were last year. But for me, just to be a fan and to be proud of this program is something that um, I cherish. And it's something that, that's different than being out there playing. It's a different feeling for me and something that I'm – it's new to me. So um, this team has, has made me proud all, all, all season, and I'm, I'm excited that they have this opportunity in the tournament. And – you know, I think they feel the uh, – I wouldn't say pressure, but I think they feel the uh, the urgency and, and they know, you know, what they're playing for and who they're playing for. And, and I think that they're going to have that chip on their shoulder. So whether they like it or not, I feel like – and Mark Pope has agreed to this and even brought you guys on via Zoom, I think, Sunday, right, for Selection Sunday to have you guys a yeah. part of that. They're, they're, whether they like it or not, they're kind of playing for last year's team too. Like, like having this cathartic experience, is it cathartic for you? Like, yes, it was devastating, but are you living through these guys a little bit in the experience that they're having sort of for last year's team? I think so. Yeah. Um, just being, being so close to these guys and, and knowing um, them and, and coach folk has done a great job of, of helping and, and making us, feel like we're a part of it and you know we 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 laid the foundation we uh we did what we did last year and a lot of people would look at that and say oh you know we set the bar pretty high and and 
people were saying before this season that that would be a hard, a hard bar to reach. But um, I think that that kind of set the stage for this year's team to, to be able to do what they did. And um, I believe in them. I, it, it does, it does, it doesn't suck. You know, I'm happy for these guys and that they get this chance, but just seeing March Madness, CBS, like selection Sunday, hearing these guys voices, it's like, man, we, we were right there, but I know this team will, will, uh, you know, come through for, for everyone that feels, feels some type of way about last year. Still. We're talking to Jake Toulson on BYU sports nation. Uh, is that hard? Like to see this, is it hard or are you over it? Have you? Because honestly, for me, it's hard. Last year, knowing that you guys could have made a run that could have been super memorable, like anything was possible, if you're always playing like a top 10 team at the end of the year, is it difficult for you to watch this or, or have you, uh, has that crystallized into something positive? I think a little bit of both. When I'm watching BYU, it, I have nothing but like, good feelings and and I love seeing this team win and I want them to, you know, make a run. But when I'm watching other games or other teams, I'm like, man, you know, (laughs) we like, who knows if we're even in this spot, you know, a year from the tournament last year, like everything could have changed for, for everyone on that team. Mm -hmm. But that's not a place that, that I want to, to live in. It's, you know, it's a fun place to visit when I'm talking with teammates or, you know, friends, but I think we, we did everything we could to put ourselves in a position to make a run. And I think that I can live with that. So, so Jake, let's visit it. I mean, is, is this team better than, than your team? How do you, how do you guys match up if you're comparing both groups? You know, that's, that's a good question. And it's a good debate to have. It's a, it's a great argument to have because, you know, two really good teams, but I think they're different. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, get into that right now because it's just all about this year's team. But if I was choosing, whoops, camera fell. We're, on a, gra- we're on a graphic. Between, it was a perfectly timed camera fall. <laughs> there we go. Um, if I was choosing, uh, you know, I'm going to have to bet on last year's team, but um, good thing that that will never happen and we can just enjoy this team right now. Well, maybe it will happen. Maybe we line it up, you know, maybe a pickup game, you know. I, yeah, I do maybe ha- this summer we can, we can run it back. Hey, I do have last year's team by a little bit, and here, here's why. You guys uh, beat Gonzaga, and that ends up being a top five win, and you're top ten in net. Those things are the arguments I've been making for this group. Now, I do feel like Gonzaga got better this year. Like, they even went up a notch, which I didn't know they could go up another notch. And maybe there's another notch for them. I don't know. But how, how would you compare Gonzaga last year to this year? Because this year felt like Jalen Suggs sort of took them up a little bit. Yeah, no, Jalen Suggs is, has completely changed them. But, you know, I, I could argue that Gonzaga was better last year. They, they lost Admin Gilder, who was a grad transfer one-year guy. They lost Killian Tilly, Petrusif, who was the player of the year. I think the difference in this year's team and last year's team would be they play they play Kispert. Sometimes they play him at the floor, but they start uh, Watson. They play uh, Drew Timmy. But last year, if if a team wanted to just 
keep a big guy like Matt Harms in the paint, they could because the Truzif wasn't stepping out and shooting it. They would put Tilly at the five and stretch the floor, and it was just completely different game. So, uh, you know, you could argue here or there, but uh, I think both teams are really good. We obviously beat Gonzaga, which um, which was, you know, in my opinion, the best win in the last few years. But I think BYU, they, they, they match up well against any team. And I think the difference is people want to say, like, this year's team is called, like, the 10 deep team. I've heard people say that. And then, like, last year's team is, like, the senior three-headed dragon team. But I don't think BYU this year is even playing 10 guys. I would say the difference is they have two seven-footers. They have Matt Harms in the paint, and they have size, and they have, you know, they rebound, and they just play a different way. Like, if it, towards down the stretch of the season, they played their five starters, and then Trev, Spencer, and Richard. That's eight guys. That's not 10 guys. For sure. Uh, really interesting contrasting both groups, um, but obviously both have accomplished so much. Um, Jake, 2020 was such such a crazy year for everyone, but you know, especially for you and for, for all pro guys trying to trying to figure out what's next. Um, can you talk about, talk about your, your journey, um, in the pros and just, you know, the, the emotional roller coaster up and down of, uh, trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said it best for, for everyone pretty much across the board. It's been a challenge. Um, and I think I've learned a lot about myself. I've, I've had opportunities to reflect and to see, you know, the progress that I've made and, and kind of where I want to go. But sometimes you just got to take a step back and, and um, try and live in the moment, make, make the best of every day. Um, I think that, you know, with, with my injury and, you know, the way it all went, went down, it, it, it's a little bit, you know, of a bummer and it, and I definitely catch myself, you know, sometimes feeling sorry for myself and that, you know, why did it have to happen like this? And I had to wait a whole year to play. And then the first game, you know, this happens, but, um, I think that you could always have it worse. And I I'm grateful for, for challenges because it allows me to grow. And that's kind of what I've, made a career on and at some point you just wanted to stop and just be able to have success all the time but I don't think that's how it works I think it's always gonna challenge you and test you and try and you know mold you into a better player and a person and, and that's what I'm going through right now and let's go back to that so G League bubble down in Orlando Erie Bayhawks won Yoli Childs and Salt Lake City Stars won Jake Toulson first off what were the emotions like in that seeing Yoli on the other uh, side, your professional debut, and then two, was it an injury that happened in the game? And remind us what it was, foot, right? Yeah. Well, it was just – it was really cool to experience that with Yoli. Um, you know, we were down there in the bubble together, and it's far from normal down there. Like, everything is just it, – it, nothing feels 
normal. Like it's just so strange and different and uncomfortable for everyone. So having Yoli there and being able to go through that with him was something that I'll remember forever. And just sharing that, that moment on the court, um, our first professional game, like we'll, we'll remember that forever. And yeah. And in, in, in the game, uh, in the second half, like beginning of the second half, I just went up for a rebound and, um, I landed on a guy's foot and fractured my foot. So that's what happened. Well, we wish you the best in your recovery. Um, and, and what helps in a recovery is great teammates around you, right? And BYU this year has continued the best locker room in America thing. Jesse Wade stuck in the elevator. They break him out. The COVID testing video went viral. What can you say about what, what, what Mark Pope does in a locker room? And you know this from the past four years at Utah Valley and then last year, and now we're seeing that continue this year. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing what that staff is able to do. I think they, they recruit the right guys and they cultivate that, that joy and, and just love for the game in the locker room, and, and the guys just run with it. Um, we got all the right leaders in place. And it, it's just, it's cool to see. I mean, there's a lot of other teams out there that, in, in coaches that can recruit, they can motivate, they can do all that. But I think to me, college is all about, you know, having guys buy in, know their roles. And, you know, just, it's more of just managing that locker room. And that's what they do. Um, I have to, I got to call out Coach Figure right now. Um, we all saw the viral video of everyone dancing, going to get their COVID tests. And I was waiting for coach Figure to pop up and do something, maybe like the Aaron Rodgers discount double check thing, <laughs> but he didn't do anything. Of course, he's not going to be, be on the video cause he's, he's too shy for that, but, uh, <laughs> I'll give he's him a, a hard step time. Up. Come on, Cody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, he's, he's fun in his own way that way. Well, Jake, best of luck. Uh, get that foot healed, and uh, we look forward to many years of professional basketball from you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Jake. Okay, that's Jake Toulson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. I appreciate Jake being honest um, about, hey, he's really open it's with hard, yeah. um, and I found myself questioning this, right? But he's yeah. going to get healthy and be uh, – he's going to make – some good money playing ball. He's too good of a player. He's going to get an opportunity somewhere to, sure. keep, to keep going, uh, whether it's here or overseas. Um, he's too good of a player on the block, shooting from the outside. He, and he's so in tune emotionally, which is so important for, for a pro player and uh, really impressed with him. And he argued for Gonzaga being better last year. Wow. Wait, which makes my that. point, which is <laughs> that last year's team is better right. by a little bit. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, let's recap prop picks from last night and then get you our picks for tomorrow night, BYU and UCLA and the NCAA Tournament. Prop picks are presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. How many three-pointers will the two teams combine for in the first half? We did UCLA and Michigan State. Spartans had five. Bruins hit three for a total of eight. That's what Spencer picked. I had nine, wow. so I was just off on that one. Point Spencer. 
Who will be the game's leading scorer? Jaime Jaquez Jr. led all scores with 27 points, and neither of you picked that. He was amazing. Okay, and the margin of victory will be... UCLA won by six. Spencer uh, had it at six. I had it. Did I have it at seven, Ben? I think I had it at seven, right? So one more free throw. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, let's bring in Ben Bagley for the picks for tomorrow. All right, we'll start here. Of course, Tyler, you'll be picking for Spencer. So if you want to mail it in, go ahead. Go. All right, number one, which BYU player will score the team's 11th point? 11 being the number here in honor of Artie Haas. I think it nice. I think it will be a bench player. So Spencer Johnson comes in and hits a jumper. I think it'll be Matt Harms. Mm. Yep, start out with a couple of threes from the outside, and then hit Matt. That'll be a good start if Matt's still in when BYU gets eleven. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Go back to back Haas questions here, Tyler. In your senior season, you averaged twenty-two point two points. How many players in tomorrow's game, both sides? We'll score more than 22. I think a lot of dudes will score in the teens, Ty, so I think there will be one player that gets the 22 plus. Wow. I'm saying two. One from each side. 22.2. Have a turning moment. I see the connection. (laughs) No Tyler Hawes tied to the third one. Just who scores the last basket for BYU in the game? Connor Harding. BYU's up. Connor Harding. Brandon Averett. Ooh, so it's tight. Tight, yep. Yeah. Need, need a couple of plays to finish it out, Brandon. But you said BYU's going to win comfortably. you got to pick one side there, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say at least 10, right around okay. 10. It's, Brandon could be in there. and Brandon stays in. Yeah. Okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The legend of Zach Wilson potentially going number one overall in the NFL draft grows in a recent article from Dick Harmon of the Deseret News, and I quote, in a lead-up to BYU's Pro Day on March 26th, which we just announced we're going to have two hours of coverage on, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the number one pick, are sending Zach Wilson their playbook, getting Wilson multiple Zoom meetings and phone calls from new head coach Urban Meyer, passing game coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, and offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. End quote. Jerem, after you read that for the first time, did you think to yourself, okay, is Zach Wilson going number one a real possibility now? Yes. I, listen, I don't think it's going to happen. I still think Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, given the way he played, winning a natty, going to the playoff three times. But... It doesn't matter as much where you go to school now. Like, everyone can find your tape. Everyone can evaluate you. You Like, rare is the John Elway, Andrew Lux of the world where they just crush it in college and in the NFL, the Peyton Mannings. Like, a lot of the guys that do it, like, Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech was not a massive deal coming out of college. You know what I mean? Aaron Rodgers at Cal. Like, he was at a JC originally. There's a chance that Zach Wilson goes number one. I think they want to test him and see, just see, do the due diligence, just to see, is he actually the best quarterback in the draft? Because if he is, you should take him. And the breakdowns that are coming out from different people of, of like, you know, really good football minds of what he does well, what he can do a little bit better, it's really interesting. Again, there are things that Zach Wilson does that are better than Trevor Lawrence, but it's whether the Jaguars want to take that chance and not pick Trevor because Trevor seems like a surefire, like quality starter in the NFL. Zach is a little bit more of a wild card be- because he didn't do it as long as Trevor or at the level that Trevor did it. But the possibility of Zach being great 
is very intriguing. So the fact that they're doing this, and the connections are interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So Urban Meyer, obviously, at Utah, understands kind of, you know, this area or whatever from a couple years, the former Ute with the former Ute. Brian Schottenheimer, who was the OC of my Seahawks last couple years. Seahawks let him go despite the most points scored in a season in Seahawks history. What? And then Daryl Bevel, who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, played at Wisconsin, of course, was the Seahawks OC in the famous uh, couple of Super Bowls there, most notably thro- uh, not throwing or his throwing at Morgan the His daughter Morgan plays softball at BYU right now? So there's a connection there, which is interesting. Daryl actually hangs out at BYU occasionally and interacts with the coaches, and, and when he's on campus, see his daughter. So is Zach going... Number one, a real possibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're interested in him. If they weren't, they wouldn't do this. We shouldn't be that shocked because Urban Meyer was one of the very first prominent voices to say, as an analyst before he was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, that Zach Wilson is an elite-level quarterback. So, uh, again, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be shocked that now the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars is saying, yeah, let's take a closer look at this kid. Let's send him the playbook. Let's put him through the ringer, ask him all the questions, talk to him a bunch, and figure out just maybe if he is this diamond in the rough worthy of taking over Trevor Lawrence. And Zach's numbers were significantly better than Trevor Lawrence this past season. Some of that deals with Trevor Lawrence being injured, uh, not having the same Clemson team that he had the past few years. Playing a complete Power 5 schedule. Exactly. Playing against a much weaker schedule than Clemson faced. But Zach Wilson was still doing special things. We're going to hear this argument all the way up to the draft. Well, he didn't play anybody. But he's fitting footballs into extremely tight windows. And it's not like Zach played garbage competition the whole season. He beat Houston. He beat Navy. He beat Boise State in convincing fashion on the road. There's some merit in some of those wins. Didn't beat Coastal, but had some really bright moments, obviously. So the tape is there. The numbers are ridiculous from pro football focus. Urban Meyer and his staff would be silly not to look at this with the number one pick. Why, yeah, if they why, didn't, they'd be neglectful. It'd be weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It'd be weird. But I would take Trevor if I'm the Jaguars. Like, and I love Zach. Obviously, we love Zach. I, you have to take Trevor, one. It feels He's, like there's forgiveness you if you take Trevor Lawrence and it doesn't work out. It's like, ah, well, and everybody, you're the, everybody else would have taken him. But you're the, the Jaguars. If you like, take Zach cares? Wilson <laughs> and then Trevor Lawrence becomes like this superstar for the New York Jets or whatever and Zach is not on that level, then Jaguars fans and the organization, like it's, that's, that's terms of upheaval. You know, that's like it's going to create some insurrection within the fan base. Well, and you're the Jets. So, like, you're going to be in this position again soon, maybe. Even if these guys are decent, you may still be in this position, um, you know, of a top 10 pick. You might not be one or two. You're hoping that if you take a good quarterback, that they, <laughs> that you're not in the one and two. That means you won zero to four games the next year. I'm excited about this possibility. The, yes, of course the interest should be there. And the fact that Zach is being discussed at number one is just really intriguing. Like, what a jump from nobody to somebody. Like, he wasn't competing for the number one pick last year. He was competing for the number one BYU quarterback spot. And he legitimately thought, I might not get it. Like, I'm going to have to, have to work super hard to get this. And he did, and it worked out well. Listen, the pandemic has been awful in a lot of ways. What it wasn't awful for was Zach Wilson's draft stock because BYU's schedule lesson and then Zach's sort of greatest attributes could be seen at a higher level. Yeah. Because one, BYU is playing, but two, 
competition a little less. So when you win, you get seen. When you win, you get seen. Look at all these draft picks. If BYU plays six power fives, there's not the same level of interest in these guys because BYU probably had three or four or five losses. Trevor Lawrence is your favorite tested dish at your favorite restaurant. You're not going to go outside the box. You want to go there. You know you'll be satisfied with this meal. It's going to taste great. You're going to leave feeling happy. But Zach Wilson is the new special from your favorite chef at your favorite restaurant. And you're like, hmm, maybe we should do something a little bit different here. And maybe it'll pay off. Maybe it'll be delicious. Maybe it'll replace your favorite dish at your favorite restaurant. But maybe you'll leave disappointed. You, it, you never know. But there, well, so there is some And you may not leave disappointed. It just might not be the thing you as want good. every time. It, it, it could, might not be as good. It might not be your go-to every time. So Zach, there's some intrigue with Zach Wilson as the new chef special on the menu right now. Journey time in Indianapolis. Jerem, I just presented the question. Does BYU basketball have to win at least one game in the NCAA tournament to make this season a success? Or have they already obtained success given everything that's happened? It's already a success because winning in the NCAA tournament is not a uh, standard here at BYU as much as we'd like to think it is. Getting there, yes. Single-digit seed, yes. Six seed, yes. Absolutely. The way that BYU played this year, especially after last year, like this could have been a non-NCAA tournament year, and I think we all would have got it, right? Oh, seven seniors, three of which are top 50 players in BYU history probably. It makes sense that BYU would not go back to the tourney after that kind of year. But what did BYU do? They played pretty close to as well as the team last year. I still think last year's team is better because they were top 10 net and had a top five win. Those things differentiate them. But outside of that, it's pretty close. It's a different group, different roles for certain guys, new guys. This was a tremendous coaching job. Totally a success. Absolutely. Don't need a win, per se, to call it that. But winning in the NCAA tournament would be really nice. And the expectation when you're a top seven seed is that you win that Uh, game. Yes, it has shifted. A loss in round one would be disappointing. But it's already a success, no, no doubt. A win puts BYU in rarer company in Cougar Hoops history than you'd think. In fact, BYU hasn't won a first round, not first four, first round game since 2011. It's been a decade, 2010 before that. Before that, it was 93. So since 94, BYU's 2-9 and nine in the first round. It's not a thing BYU does. BYU doesn't go, okay, well, wait, what about Jimmer Fredette? Okay, take away the National Player of the Year and Jimmer Fredette and Danny Ainge those years. Like, what is BYU normally without the best player in the country? 6-17 and 17 in the tourney. Like, BYU struggles in the tournament. So I'm happy BYU got there. It's absolutely a success. I do expect them to win, but it's not a disappointing season. It'd be a disappointing finish. It'd be a, it's not a disappointing season if BYU doesn't win the game. What's unfair about the scenario is people typically remember what happened last. Sure. And because BYU did kind of sprint to the finish, they, they're number 23 in the national rankings. They got a six seed. 20-6 and six overall. Their metrics were incredible. There is this expectation now, I feel like for most BYU fans, that the Cougars need to win at least one game. And as unfair as it might feel, if they lose that first-round game... To say it's unsuccessful with the loss I there know, is but silly. When have me. fans yeah. ever been rational? Ever. 
Like the, the typical fan by nature is not rational. So if BYU loses that first round game, it's gonna be like, oh, what was it all for? Come on, winning the tournament. That that person plays, lives their life for the weekend only. I know. You know what I mean? It's but like that, no, that's no. what fans there do. There are seven days a week. There's a journey. I don't climb the Y just for the view at the top. I climb for the whole thing, right? The, yes, they're they're like that EFY song that we love, "Joy in the Journey," right? There's joy in the climb. It's the whole season. It's the whole season. I'm with so, you on that. Yeah, absolutely. They're a top 25 team. They're a number six seed. They lost ridiculous talent last year. We came in on this show into this season saying, hey, if BYU's on the bubble, awesome. Yes. Just be in the conversation. Over, over-exceeded expectations. Uh, not absolutely. Only were, they were a lock. They were an exceeded. at-large lock and got a single-digit seed. A six seed. Yeah, that's great. They got the seed that we were – Pining for, like, oh, if they could be a six seed, that would be incredible. That's, like, top of the mark. They, it can't get much better than that. And they hit it. Yeah. They did it. So, yes, I'm with you. It, it should be considered a success unfairly because fans are fans and expectations constantly shift. If BYU doesn't win a game, <laughs> the disappointment will oh. reign supreme in people's minds going into the offseason. I will be disappointed if BYU loses. Uh, but it won't be a disappointing season. It will be a disappointing finish. Does that make sense? Oh, sure, yeah. but does a disappointing finish not sometimes crown in yeah. most people's minds what the whole thing it was? It does if you don't have a memory. <laughs> and, like if you can't and fans think have about short memories. I don't care about the like the super irrational fan. Like what? What? Yeah, this season will be a success. To your okay, so just I'm, I'm going to it is a mindset. success no matter what happens after the BYU football season. You said we asked what's the most memorable moment of the season, and your answer was the loss at Coastal Carolina. Because that's what people typically do, right? But it wasn't the last thing, so it it, it reversed flow in that. It wasn't that that wasn't the last moment. No, it last wasn't. Moment even, was it was, it wasn't even the last thing. But yeah. you still said the most memorable moment was Coastal Carolina. Yeah, yeah, and that's a different question than this to me. Like my it point, wasn't like my point was is if BYU loses in the tournament, we're going to say, hey, what was the most memorable moment in the season? A lot of people are going to say losing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and this season hasn't had like a crazy like. You need a little bit of drum. Like, again, the Boise State-BYU game this year was a great example of this. Because BYU won by so much, it wasn't as memorable. Yeah, it should, and it should be. Unless you go 59 nothing UCLA. That's, like, the exception. But BYU crushed Boise State, won for the first time in the blue, but we're like, well, that wasn't as what we wanted. We wanted a last-second <laughs> win, <laughs> which is funny, right? And, yes, it's, it's weird. We it's, ple- it's we're pleading with you. See the big picture. This season has been I don't, incredible. No, 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 no. I don't care what you do as a fan. You do you. I'll do me. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Like, I'll, I'll look at it how I want to frame it. Yeah. I am pleading I've with you. I've got this mic. Try. I've got this mic. You've I, got Twitter. I am pleading. Try yeah. and try and see the big picture here because it's been an unbelievable run to the tournament. I get told what to do enough around here. I don't want to tell you. Hey, Ty, now we know. BYU will tangle with UCLA 8-clap that Saturday night on CBS after the Bruins came down 14 to beat Michigan State in the first four. It was in overtime. Uh, What do you think of the matchup, and what do you expect? I really like this matchup compared to Michigan State. Amen. Right. I I think BYU matches up a lot better. Uh, I expect BYU to come out um, shooting the ball really well. I mean, they're playing the best basketball they've played. Um, guys are playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, I, I've, I feel like Matt Harms needs to be big in this game. They don't have anyone that really matches up well against Matt, and so um, it'll be a fun one. 
This is going to be good. This is a team BYU beat last year. Different setup for both squads. Like Kobe Lee had 13 in this game last year. Kobe played. Lee doesn't play a ton right now. Um, and then you have Jaime Hakez, who last night had 27. He didn't score. Um, Johnny Juzang didn't play. He was at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, had 23. Those guys had 50. Um, th- this is going to be a good matchup. I think physically that would have been tougher with Michigan State. They just they just were good defensively. Mm-hmm. But UCLA ended the game on a 14-3 run. And you know, seven zero for five or seven zero run to close out regulation. If if BYU can uh, effectively execute its half court offense, and I think they can, the, the the problem that UCLA presents that USC and Boise State did is a little bit of length on the perimeter. But I like Matt Harms against six nine guys who are traditional and don't shoot the three. Um, Caleb Loner can drag uh, a four out and make some threes. I like Caleb Loner, by the way, and Gideon George on Jaime Hawkins. I think those are. Uh, uh, those are the matchups uh, uh, that you want to watch. This UCLA team was probably going to be a 6-7 type, but struggled at the end of the season. Lost four in a row, but they won last night. And uh, Mick Cronin said they turned up the heat at halftime uh, on defense. So I, I like it. I, think this, I thought this was going to be a winnable game regardless. The way BYU's been playing, the way they played Gonzaga late, the fact that BYU's a 6 the good mojo from 81 of being a six, mm-hmm. now playing UCLA, who BYU beat that year by 25. I, I feel like this is going to be a close game, but one that BYU should win. Definitely. I think, I think BYU comes out on top. If they can put together a good half of shooting, right, this, this first half, um, I think they'll, they'll cruise to victory pretty, pretty easily. Ooh, okay. Uh, so you feel it could be I comfortable. Think. Yeah, I Wh- think they can win by double digits. I, I just feel like they're, they're the better team, and, and BYU can play fast. They don't always play fast, right? I, I, they're middle of the pack in the country for as far as pace, um, but UCLA plays really slow. If BYU can get out and, and get in transition, get some easy buckets, um, get some threes to drop early, um, I think they, I think they run away with this thing. I'm not saying UCLA is going to go away. I mean, they, they were down 14 last night and came yep. back. Yep. Um, but I, I just feel like BYU is is playing their best basketball right now and shooting, playing with a lot of confidence, and they're getting after it on the defensive end. They, we we saw that in the Gonzaga game. They they made Gonzaga work for everything that um, that they got, and of course Gonzaga finished it off. But BYU uh, matches up really well against UCLA, and I expect them to win. BYU has um, you know you know players that can rival what's happening on the other side too. Mm-hmm. It's always good knowing. Uh, okay, we could have the leading score in this game. It's not yeah. necessarily Hakez, who by the way didn't come off the court. The best possible scenario happened for BYU: one that UCLA won, I think better matchup, and two that it went into overtime. Yeah. So now there's a day rest, and then you play. Uh, you know, late. Tomorrow night at 9.40 on CBS and uh, locally on KSO Radio. That's the best possible scenario because legs will be in question. Obviously, uh, uh, Johnny uh, you know, uh, Juzang, he hurt his ankle. Uh, he can't be 100%, you'd think. He had, a spra- he had a sprained ankle a couple weeks ago, and then he appeared to re-injure it. Although, when he came back on the court, tie, he looked okay. Yeah, he, he looked fine. You can't get carried off the court and right. then and then he got jump Paul around. Pierced and then yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know what that was all. But I expect him to be in the lineup and and ready to go. We want their best shot. I yeah. don't. I just want to win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care whether. I want BYU to come out on top. Yeah. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches. 
athletes and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. On the first day of March Madness first round, can't wait. Brackets are filled out. Let's go. Game's going. Okay, uh, let's let's get out to Indianapolis. Greg Rebell, the voice of the Cougars there, he's going to call the game on the radio, of course. And Greg, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, can you report of anyone else stuck in any elevators? <laughs> no, and, and my trips have all been uh, without incident here in Indy. That's great to know. Um, tell us what it's like, because obviously it's the most unique NCAA tournament that will ever happen. Um, that what's, what's the setup? What's life like for you? Because the guys are in the bubble, uh, yet you're going to be in the venue like everybody else. Yeah, so it's called the controlled environment. And for the players, that means four team hotels, the Indiana Convention Center, the adjacent AAA or the minor league baseball field for outdoor activity, and then the game venues. That's where the players, the tiers one, two, and three individuals can can navigate. And those outside the tier uh, can have venue access, but not to the same places the players and coaches generally have access. So there's really two environments going on right now. The controlled one, and then the, uh, the tier four or the outside of the controlled environment uh, sphere. And that's where I find myself. And uh, yet it feels like March Madness. Uh, downtown Indianapolis is filled with all of the signs and the logos and the vibe that you expect from a tournament, the buses, the police escorts. You see the stuff you normally get around this time of year. You just don't uh, have the same kind of freedom of movement. Uh, I love uh, tournament time uh, for the vibe you get. In the gym, and Ty can speak to this, even, even the day before the game, when you go to practice, the fans are in the stands for the practice and multiple teams in and out, and, and you really get the sense of something live and happening. And that's not happening this year. Uh, the teams are practicing in those venues, but by themselves, no fans, no media. And so I'll get in for my game and then out when my game is over. And that's kind of the way I'll experience it. So some things are, are, are you know the same, and many things feel very different. And that's one of the things I miss the most is just that being in the gym, being on the floor, and that sense that for you know one, two, three, four days, that building is alive with hoops. That's right. Um, you know, there, there's definitely an energy that comes along with, with March Madness. I'm just glad we're playing basketball, Greg. Uh, glad we have games. Hey, so BYU has a you know, first-round matchup, UCLA. They, I thought they battled Michigan State. They were down 14 in that game. What were your thoughts on that UCLA-Michigan uh, State game last night? Well, it's UCLA's best comeback in, in a couple seasons, uh, but it's not unusual for them. They've actually won four games this year when down double digits. That's an interesting note uh, about this UCLA team. Uh, they're never out of it. Uh, they don't have to have a lot of things go their way to get a positive result. You know, some teams you find and their trends are very polar opposites. They win all the time when this happens and they tend to lose all the time when that happens. And UCLA is really in the middle on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they, they can be down at halftime as well and, and win games as they were last night. They've won multiple games this year when trailing at the break. So uh, UCLA is a team that, albeit uh, operating at a slow tempo, and let's note that their tempo is very slow. Uh, they're ranked 334th in tempo. That doesn't scream comeback ability. That's why if you get a decent lead against St. Mary's, you feel like you've got that thing because they, they, they can't really spurt on you. But UCLA is a team that, despite playing slow, has a lot of comeback wins and, and wins when down at the break. So that's an interesting thing 
about the Bruins. Uh, the bigger question or one of the bigger questions is if leading scorer uh, Johnny Juzang plays or if he plays how well he plays. Certainly when it initially happened, didn't look good. The reaction was pretty negative. But then when you watch the replay again, you know, I, I, you know you've seen worse ankle rolls, obviously. And not, not that it was insignificant. But it wasn't one that you thought, well, he doesn't come back from. And he has dealt with recent ankle issues and come back. He missed the USC game to end the regular season with an ankle injury, came back in the tournament, uh, the Pac-12 tournament. So he's kind of been in and out a little bit with ankle problems. We'll see how that uh, turns out for him tomorrow night. Clearly, it's a benefit to BYU if Juzang's not you know, full go. And you wouldn't expect him to be entirely full go based on the injury. But you know, when postgame happened last night, he was bouncing around pretty good. So. Yeah, when when UCLA won, I was like, he looks like he's just fine. So we'll, we'll see what happens. He had 23 in that game. And then Jaime Jaquez uh, had a career-high 27. He was awesome. He seems like a, a tough matchup. I wonder if and we were talking about it, Caleb Lohner and or a Gideon George matchup on him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, one of those guys, right? I mean, yeah, they, they're good. one of, one of the uh, – I'll say – I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but BYU uh, has uh, you know had challenges with bigs that that play on the perimeter and UCLA doesn't have any bigs who do that all their bigs play in the post it's it's more of a traditional interior defense BYU can throw now Hawkes is different right he's he's a he's a long four long three uh stretch four he'll play all over the place and you can really throw a Caleb or a Gideon on him and hope for the best but Matt can play essentially a traditional uh, post defense against UCLA bigs who aren't very big to begin with they max out around six nine and they don't play on the perimeter. I think the three main bigs have combined for two, three attempts on the year and haven't made one. So that's not a part of their game. So BYU may be able to play a little more, uh, you know, traditionally on the interior. But Hawkes is, is, you know, the difference maker. He didn't play but 11 minutes against BYU in Maui and didn't score a point. So between Hawkes and Juzang, you have guys who scored 50 points last night when BYU saw zero points from either of those guys in Maui. Hawkes was yet uh, was not you know, playing a lot, scored zero, and then Juzang was with another team at the time. So uh, the last meeting in Maui is somewhat instructive, but not a lot back. Uh, you know, BYU's got four guys back from that game. UCLA's got six guys back from that game, but half of those guys didn't score in that game. So it's a really different uh, looking uh, team for Mick Cronin. None of the guys for UCLA had played in an NCAA tournament game until last night. And for BYU, None of their guys have played in a game for BYU. You do have two guys who have tournament experience. Matt Harms, of course, with Purdue, and Brandon Averett with Oklahoma State. Greg, BYU's play, arguably playing their best basketball of the season right now. They're peaking at the right time. Um, you're, you're a trend guy, a numbers guy. What, what uh, trends are you seeing uh, in this BYU team that makes you – more confident, less confident, uh, matching up against UCLA? Well, I'll, I'll go to the tempo uh, trend for a moment. Uh, BYU isn't, isn't a super fast team. They're not a super slow team. They're ranked 200th in tempo. Uh, they're, they're middle of the pack that way nationally, uh, and, and they can certainly play a little quicker on offense than that. In fact, if you go to their uh, uh, offensive tempo numbers, um, yeah, BYU's average offensive possession length is 148, so right in the middle of the pack. So let's say BYU's a middle-of-the-pack tempo team. UCLA's a slower team, a really slow team. Well, BYU's done well with slow-tempo teams this year in slow-tempo games. UCLA averages 64.6 possessions per game, and BYU's played five games at 65 possessions or fewer, and they've won all five this year. 
They're 5-0 and in those slower games, and they beat St. Mary's twice. St. Mary's is among the slowest teams in the country. UCLA only slightly faster. So I'll go with that one. And then kind of a bigger picture thing, Ty, I like the fact that BYU's had three games against the overall number one seed, and, and in the last game against them, had a real good chance to win that game. And, and so I think that really sets you up for anything you're about to face in the NCAA tournament. Uh, UCLA is good, and there's a reason – that they were, you know, eight zero in the Pac-12 to start the year. It's a really good basketball team. They, I mean, they they didn't see themselves as an 11th seed a month ago. But you lose four in a row, that takes you from you know six, seven, eight to nine, ten, eleven pretty quickly. So UCLA somewhere they didn't expect to be, but they were good enough to put themselves in a position to be a favored seed until that four-game losing skid. Let's note that UCLA has that four-game slide. They've also lost two in a row earlier in the year, and BYU under Mark Pope has still yet to lose consecutive games at any point. The Cougs try to keep that streak alive tomorrow night. It is game day, Eve. We're talking to Greg Rebell live from Indianapolis, uh, where BYU will take on UCLA in Hinkle Fieldhouse tomorrow. But we buried the lead, Greg. BYU went viral for not one but two videos last night. As you said, where there's a will, there's a wade, as Richard Harward and BYU break him out. And then BYU's COVID testing starting lineup video uh, went viral as well. That was, that was a fun moment that nationally people got a peek at the best locker room in America. Yeah, and I loved how the, the, the TNT guys last night put it on their postgame show. And, <laughs> and the Cougars are, all, are already getting, uh, again, they're, they're kind of anchoring themselves in the nation's subconscious a little bit right now with what's going on. So it'd be great if they can, you know, uh, you know, get the wins to kind of throw on top of that and make BYU a fun story to cover as this thing rolls on. But as we all know, the guys have, you know, we've been around the team all year. Uh, you know, Coach Pope and his staff and players are such an amazing group. And, and in so many ways, the vibe of the team reflects the vibe of the head guy. And, and uh, you know, we all just love being around the program and, and love the influence Coach Pope has had on the program. And I think it's cool that these, uh, you know, videos went the way they did. And, and it, it says a lot about me that as I'm watching the elevator video, all I'm thinking is, you know, please nobody get hurt in, in the execution oh my of gosh, this rescue. Yes. You know, I, the last thing you need is, you know, a guy out with a broken hand because the door slammed shut on him, you know. So it was cool, though. It was great what they did. And, and you can just tell no matter who, you know, no matter the role anyone occupies on this team, uh, everyone feels a part of that same vibe. And, uh, you know, I, I think best locker room in America is a real thing, right? It is. Definitely is. Um, Greg, there was so much disappointment last year um, with, with, you know, the team not being able to even play an NCAA tournament game. They definitely had some hype going into that tournament. Um, is, is this team this year, are they, are they trying to avenge uh, what, what happened last year? I don't think there's a real sense of, of uh, avenge as much as a sense of respect and honor and appreciation. And, and, you know, Jeremy and I have talked a lot about this, too, that, um, you know, this year's team owes a lot to last year's team and in a lot of ways can can, you know, pay off, you know, in some ways, the efforts of last year's team that went unrewarded. Uh, this year's team earned its, uh, you know, er- earned its results on its own. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think I think a lot of what happened last year can be seen in what this year's guys are doing. And, and hopefully this year's team can, can enjoy uh, success that last year's team wasn't able to experience. And, and, you know, Ty, you're so close to Tej and, 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 you know, how hard he worked for his throughout his career to get to that point. And, and I just, you know, my heart broke for him uh, last year for that reason, because it was going to be the culmination 
uh, of a long grind, mm-hmm. you know, and you know what it's like to, to get the reward, you know, for those efforts. Making the, One of the great things about the NCAA tournament, guys, is how hard it is to get into and how good the teams are when you get there. Mm-hmm. It's no joke. I mean, you know, the, the, the 11 seeds we pl- saw playing last night, the, the, those 11 seed play-in games, those were the last of the best in college basketball this year. That's how good these teams were. I mean, Michigan State has three wins over, you know, three of the top six overall seeds in this tournament. That's an 11 seed in this tournament. That's how good this tournament is. It's hard to get into. It's the holy grail of college hoops. And, and it's, it's such a, a reward and a relief to get there. And, and we know that, you know, Tej had earned that spot and didn't get to fully enjoy it. So for guys like Tej, you know, these guys, these guys get to go play and, and hopefully, uh, you know, take this thing more than a game. Yeah, it's cathartic to some degree, that's for sure. Remind people, I know it's a unique setup in the NCAA tournament with radio, how people can listen to you and Mark on the radio. Yeah, so the NCAA retains the rights to satellite and streaming of NCAA tournament games. And so local radio for us at BYU, that means KSL uh, 102.7 FM, 1160 AM. So, And our network affiliates in central southern Utah, southern Idaho. So along the Wasatch Front, uh, you'll be able to get the game tomorrow night. And since it's a nighttime game, you know, KSL's 1160 signal comes in loud and clear over multiple states. And so I think a lot of BYU fans will be able to tune in tomorrow night. So remember, it'll be on 102.7 FM locally, 1160 AM on the broader Western U.S. standpoint. But that's the one way, the only way uh, to get Mark Durant and me tomorrow night uh, due to the restrictions they have come NCAA tournament time on the satellite and the stream. Okay, awesome. We appreciate the time, Greg. Tell uh, hello to Jimmy Chitwood for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go find him. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go find him out He's here in the now. parking lot. I'm thinking yeah. you've got a hoop set up. Uh, and uh, Jerry, I'm always good to be with you. And uh, Ty, really good to see you and, and be with you. Uh, such love for you and, and your family. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is a great time of year, I know, for you as a fan and a former player. And I'm, I'm loving it, too. So thanks, guys. Thanks, okay. Greg. Go Cougs. Thanks, Greg. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's play Caption This, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, with a BYU basketball theme. Just some select images from inside the bubble of BYU's team isolation in Indianapolis. Picture number one features Matt Harms stretched out on the floor of a court. Okay. Okay. And my caption for this, Jerem, is, you know, I'd love to have my body pillow right about now. That's a long body pillow, dude. Like an eight-footer? At least a six-footer? It's a $120 pillow we learned yesterday. No, that's the pillow cube. That's just for his head. The pillow cube. That would go, like, to his sternum. Okay, I'd love to have my pillow cube with me right now. Let me alter that. Pillow cube plus. My bad. Um, My bad. My caption is, what are you looking at? He's like, leave me alone. Like, also, is he trying to pancake a volleyball? Like, what's going on right now? Okay, uh, number two here. It's uh, it's BYU. It's it's Richard Harward, of course. It's uh, Alex Porcello, of course, BYU. They're walking down a hallway. Harward kind of has his arms out. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? He looks like Bane from Batman. <laughs> do you do you feel in charge? That, that's the first thing I thought of. He looks like he's got a mask on, and he's yep. got his hair cut like Bane. Yep, the uh, haircut's still interesting. Um, <laughs> my caption is, then I totally lifted him up. <laughs> Love it. Okay, on to picture number three. Yes. Which, if you had no context like a year ago and you saw this, like, this would be a frightening picture. 
What is going like, on? What's ha- Why are they wearing masks? Yeah. What are those ropes? So my caption for this is The Shining 2021. <laughs> it, it looks That's like great. something out of a Stephen King novel. That's great. It's a great movie. The sequel is good as well. I <laughs> um, can't remember the name of it. Um, Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. That, Namaste is a peaceful. Does that look peaceful? Yes. Oh, okay. Just, Connor's touching his right. temple. You know, okay, okay. Kind of in, the, right. in the in the Connor, he's in the lather. Connor very much the opposite the of what bands. his wife Paisley was doing when they found out yeah. they got into the NCAA. Yeah, she's very he's very chill. We're going dancing. We're going dancing. That was like my mom when she was single in Salt Lake City in the late nineties. Okay, number four, Jerem. Um, not exactly sure what's happening here, but there's some type of tracking device. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in a sock. Yep. On top of a really nice shoe. I yep. like those shoes. Uh, but my caption is. This message will self-destruct in three seconds. <laughs> I go, the government is after it. <laughs> um, by the way, Stanford wore these while they played over the weekend in men's volleyball. So it's for contact tracing. So they know if you were by someone that was positive for 15 minutes or longer. Yes. Doesn't the St. Patrick's Day music just make this so much it better? It really makes it less intense, which is what we're going for. Um, because to- when I see that, yeah, I'm like, like, whoa, what? what's going on? It's for contact what? tracing. Yeah. Don't leave the county. Yeah. <laughs> Your parole officer is watching. Yes. What is this, the fugitive? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number five. Dr. Richard Kimball. Okay. <laughs> Mealtime in the Shining Hotel. Okay. <laughs> no, my, my caption here is the most accommodating solitary confinement ever. Oh, okay. You can open the door. That's nice. Uh, I go small portion size. He's like six, five... The seven foot three athletes, and they're get they're getting this meal. I need double or triple that for some of my guys. You think Richard Harward's going to be full on that? Are you kidding me? Maybe Jesse Wade. <laughs> That's their after nap snack. Yeah, is that a snack town. or is that a meal? After nap snack. Is that a snack or a meal? Also, is that fruit fresh? I've got a lot of questions. That's a tiny orange juice. Can we have some contact tracing? NCAA makes a billion dollars on this where tournament. Where did that fruit and, and orange juice come from? that's the food they give. Are where you did, kidding me? Where did the fruit and orange juice come from? Can we have contact tracing on that? Is it wearing Can a we little, know it's safe? little red light button thing? How come it's not masked up? <laughs> it, okay. You know what? You're out of line, Pac-12. Big Ten. You, you simmer down. You make up Sorry. reasons to play again. Sorry. I overstepped. On to the next picture, Jeremy. Last one. Okay. okay Classic uh, Matt, Matt Harms and Alex Barcelo are excited. They're yelling. Loud noises! Yeah. Uh, for me, it's simple here. The caption is tip- typical. This, this is, is this every is they, day. This is what they do. This is, It's what they do. Yeah, this is every day for them. Also, I want those practice Arms, shorts. Sle- sleeve sleeve uh, homies? Sleeve bros? Oh, okay. Sleeve bros. Sleeve buddies? A left and a right. Matt's going I'm a with sleeve the guy when I play. Navy. Yeah, I'm a sleeve guy when I play. I'm that guy. You wear sleeve every time. On my left arm, yeah. What does it do? Uh, it gives me swag. Okay. Yeah. Nothing else. Wait, well, you want me to does say it, it helps it me ser- shoot three percent better? It, does it have it's some not, functional purpose? No, no. Other than swag, it's that's swag? the functional purpose. You, <laughs> you think that those have functional? They may have I, the pad on them. I just have the yes. Sleeve. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I yeah. think I think theirs might actually serve some type of functional purpose. Well, and they're good at basketball. <laughs> Unlike this. They don't need to wear a sleeve to have swag. Yeah. They just turn the music up like, we're done. Like, get, <laughs> yeah, they're like, pushing us off the stage. Like, That's enough. You know what? <laughs> You're going to get stage. a small lunch, too, like those. Emmy this. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Spring ball continues tonight. BYU's going to practice. Jacob Conover's the new guy, highly sought-after quarterback. Um, wants a starting job. I recently spoke with him on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Jacob, are you having fun, man? I know you've, you've always wanted to go to BYU, and, and you were here in the fall, but now it's spring ball. It's a new season. You're competing for the quarterback spot. How's life? Life is, is a dream. I'm having a blast every day. I get to wake up, do what I love every single day. I mean, I can't complain. How old were you when you thought, I really want to play quarterback in BYU? Ooh, probably third grade. Third grade. <laughs> Who, who's the quarterback when you're in third grade? Oh, man. Third grade, third and fourth grade. I Growing up, I remember the first quarterback watching. Uh, I remember watching John Beck and then really watching Max Hall. That's why I really liked watching. Listen, you could be the next Valley of the Sun guy, right? At BYU, <laughs> there's a tradition there. Yeah, hey, I mean, that's pretty cool. That is I mean, pretty I, cool. Me- I remember I remember a funny story with Max Hall. When I committed, I saw him at a seven-on-seven tournament, and he just said, welcome to the family. And so that, that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. There's sort of this quarterback fraternity, right? Um, have you already had conversations with former guys now that you are a quarterback at BYU? Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I made contact with Tanner Mangum and Taysom Hill. And then during the Elite 11 process, I was reaching out to Steve Young and just starting to build that, those connections. Once you get Jim McMahon involved, then it's like the peak, right? <laughs> I know, like, right? That's- <laughs> and, and Ty, and yeah, and Ty's coaching now in uh, Arizona, which is cool, with oh, yeah. Max and, and Dennis and those guys. So that's awesome, man. Okay, so t- tell everybody who doesn't know the story of, um, you know, the pandemic happens. A lot of missionaries come home. They have the chance to go back or not. Or it depends on different situations. You had a chance to enroll at BYU, but as a walk-on, and you chose that. Why did you choose that? Um, it was a pretty unique story. I mean, just working one day, get a call from Coach Grimes saying, asking if I could come up. And this is, granted, two days before school started. And looking at the pros and cons, I mean, there weren't many cons. And my dad and I were like, let's do this. Like, why not go now? Like, what's there to lose? And obviously the financial part was a question, um, being a walk-on. But with the resources and family I had, they were able to back me up. And, you know, that next day we drove up, got to school on Monday, enrolled in classes, and Boom, I was officially a BYU student. Maybe you're the first four-star walk-on in BYU history. <laughs> <laughs> you're on Scully now, uh, which is great. But um, he, So you're the practice squad guy, which, let's be honest, Max Hall, when he transferred, he wasn't eligible to play right away. He was the scout squad guy, so there's sort of this connection there as well. On Tuesday nights, Kalani Stake would come over for the coaches show and it felt like almost every week he was saying, geez, Jacob just torched the defense. What was that experience like going up against what became a top five defense in college football? Um, I took it really personally. I had a job and I had to fulfill it. And working with those scout guys, it was our job to make the defense look bad, to give them the best look. That, so on Saturdays, there was no drop off. That It was almost like just playing against us on during during the week. And it was so awesome, like getting reps and going against a first-team defense every single day. It was a great way just to get my arm back in shape and just to get back into the speed of things. Do you feel like you're back in shape, or is there still some work to do physically? Uh, right now, I feel like I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. And I still feel like there's about 10% left arm strength. I, I'm still trying to find a little more. Um, but right now, I feel great. 
Remind me where you went on your mission. I was in Paraguay, down Paraguay. South America. How, how was that, man? It was remarkable. Some of the hardest hardest experiences I've ever been through, but for the time I was there, I knew I had to be there. Did you take a football, and did you have someone you could play catch with? I did. I took a couple footballs. My trainer, funny story, was a running back, and um, he was ending his mission with me, and he wanted to play football again, and so he actually – Went home, lived with my dad for a little bit, started training, went on a few recruiting trips, actually came up here to BYU. But, yeah, it, it was pretty awesome. So I had, I had a few companions who would throw the rock with me. So you get to the field, and your trainer is a running back. You're like, this is perfect, right? <laughs> uh, my mission president's like, all right, come here. Look at, look at his highlights. He pulled up his highlights and showed me. I was like, uh, that's pretty cool. You're like, this was a very inspired uh, companionship. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> We're talking with Jacob Conover on BYU Sports Nation. So you get the perfect situation. You get to be able to kind of watch a couple of experienced guys go through it. And little do we know when the season starts, Zach Wilson's going to be a top five quarterback. Like this ascension was fun to watch. What was it like for you to be in the room with him and learn from him and hope that you can do the same at BYU. Yeah, I'll even take it back a little further. I mean, I grew up going to camps with him at BYU and Utah and other different camps, so we knew each other. And to see his progression, not only physically but mentally as a person, as a player, was super cool to watch. And then to finally be in the QB, with, uh, QB room with him his, his last year, it, it really showed that, you know what, this guy's special. And it showed me like on the mental side of things and what it's going to take to be a first-round draft pick or to go play in the NFL and to fill those dreams. It was, it was uh, definitely a blessing and a miracle. And remind me, are you the same signing class, 17? Uh, I was 19. You were 19, but I guess, yeah, mission. and Okay, so you, but you had known him because he was a little older or whatever. Okay, yep. gotcha. So when you first met him, he's not, even, he's not even close to coming to BYU, right? No, he was a Corn Canyon kid, just, I mean, already committed to Boise State, ready to rock and roll. And I was at camps with them, and we, you know, butt heads a little bit playing, you know, competition, of course, <laughs> as quarterbacks should. And, yeah, we started building our relationship. That's, that's fun because, yeah, it started differently. He started as sort of this big-time Ute fan, and little did you know he'd be one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And, and now you're in the mix. Okay, so tell people, you, you've talked about it. Like, your dad graduates from BYU. He's got you in his arms like you've always wanted to be a Coug. Yet you explored, as you should have, what was out there. Did Alabama offer you a scholarship? Like you were in Nick Saban's um, office or something? What's the story there? Yeah, they uh, they called while I was at football camp, and they asked if I could come out and throw. And so my dad and I, you know, found out, uh, yeah, why not? Let's go out. So we kind of made a Midwest tour and ended up in the South and went through for Nick Saban. And we just sat down and talked to him in his office, and he offered me a scholarship. And you told Nick Saban no eventually. <laughs> like, hardly anyone does that, dude. Yeah, it was, I mean, in, in the moment, it was like, whoa, I didn't expect it. It was pretty crazy. And then, you know, stepping back, you just got to realize what you need in your life and what's the most important thing and things that are going to help you succeed. And now you're at BYU uh, in the midst of a quarterback competition, which, uh, you know, it's, Jacob, it's, it's bigger than the actual games, actually, the BYU fans, in my opinion. Like, a quarterback competition is the most compelling thing for a daily talk show as well for us, which is just amazing. What is this experience like, and how are you guys getting better as a group? Um, it's a unique experience. I really like it. This was the same thing my sophomore year in high school. I had to commute against two upperclassmen. Um, and just now, transitioning into the college level, it's been awesome to see the knowledge from Jaron and Baylor and Soldier and all the other quarterbacks and what they have to offer. And it's just been a mutual, 
almost a mutual competition because we're learning from one another, we're growing, and we're also um, shining, which has been awesome. And we're all trying to obviously be the guy, be the starter. But right now, it's about building the chemistry with one another and also showing out every day. And in high school, yeah, that was the thing. You played for a lot of, what were you, a three, three-and-a-half-year starter or something? Yeah. So in this situation, I imagine you're like, I want to play. I want to be the starter. I want to start against Arizona in Vegas, the, the school. I'm from Arizona, the whole thing. Um, yet in the BYU Pantheon, it took, uh, you know, the great quarterbacks. They didn't start early. But if you start early, you sort of get a head start there. Even Zach Wilson, I guess, came in midway through his freshman year or whatever. But do you feel like, and Aaron Roddick has said, you have every chance to, to win the starting job despite the fact you're a freshman? Um, I really love Coach A-Rod and his philosophy. You know, obviously, it's going to be the best one who plays. And right now, we all have seasons under our belt, a couple years under this offense, and I feel like there's there's veterans competing for the starting job. Like, there's no rookies anymore. Everyone has almost the same level of knowledge. There's a, Obviously, Jaron and Baylor have experience in games, actually, and that's what separates us, but I really feel like it's a fair playing field right now. And that's great because it's going to be fun. And, you know, right now, if you throw any of the three of you in there, I'm like, all right, let's go, man, which is a great feeling in that quarterback room. Okay, well, Jacob, I, I imagine we'll talk a lot more in the future. I have a million more questions, but you probably got to go. So uh, thanks for the time, and we'll catch up later. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Okay, Zach Wilson's dad, Mike, posted this video of Zach throwing to a Leva Hefo in the indoor let, practice facility. Let me wipe the drool off my mouth after watching this. When the Jaguars see this video of this throw, will, will they have Zach as their number one pick? <laughs> Not on a single throw, no, but it, th- it this is just unbelievable. He spins this. out to his left, chucks it. He's at midfield. This is a 50-yard throw. It almost looks fake. This is with the NFL ball as well, by the way, which he told us earlier this week, hey, it took some getting used to, but I do like the leather of it. It's incredible. Uh, he's going to be a, a top draft pick, but, I mean, that shows his arm strength and his mobility. It's incredible. I still have Trevor Lawrence at one. I think you got to take Trevor. Yeah. But Zach at two. Okay, what's more terrifying, Richard Harward in the paint or Richard Harward tearing apart elevator doors? <laughs> hey, ter- <laughs> tearing open uh, an elevator door is pretty scary. This is like reverse shining moment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it's good when he's on your side, though, when he's on yes. your team. Yes, be friends with Richard Harward. Yeah, um, I'm terrified by this. Yes, no, this is good. This is good. Sleeves are rolled up, whole team's getting behind it. Teams, yeah, like Jesse's face when they finally get it open, it's like, oh, I can actually get out of here. relief, yeah. He's in there for 40 minutes, yeah. Okay, bigger deal, BYU baseball beating LMU or Mike Littlewood returning from a two-game COVID suspension. Okay, what's a COVID suspension? Uh, Apparently two games ago, Mike Littlewood got in an umpire's face and literally was in his face too close. Come Uh, on. He got a two-game suspension, apparently, because he was too close to the umpire. So Mike is back tonight. And uh, BYU beating LMU is a big deal as well. Nice job by uh, the boys it's getting baseball. that done. You got to you got to get up in the ump's face every once in a while. Do they both had masks on, I assume. Like, isn't that the point of the mask? <laughs> I know. Come on, <laughs> a COVID suspension. I don't what? know about that. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. 
and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.